I'm gonna show you how great I am. I'm prolific, so gifted. I'm the type that's gonna go get it. No kidding. Yo, 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 welcome to the Crash the Competition podcast. It's a podcast for the winners, podcast for the achievers, for the 1%, the ones who crush the competition. If you get at least one little nugget that will help you perpetuate your success and accelerate your growth, just that one idea which you can take home and apply, then this podcast is a huge success. Without further ado, let's dive straight into it. All right, guys. So, welcome to the CTC podcast. It's episode number two, and this time we've got a great guest here. Uh, we've got Nick Edgerton. So, he's a leading coach in uh, in the industry. He's got over hundreds of um, top three placing, hundreds of worldwide transformations, and you know, I really want to thank him for coming in today and sharing a lot of the knowledge that he's got and experience he's got in the industry with you as well. So. Nick, I mean, you're in Thailand right now, right? You've got daylight over there, so. Uh, yeah, I am, mate. It's uh, 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, beautiful day. You know, I've got a good community around me. You know, it's a nice place to be. The weather's good. Everything's open. Um, the whole pandemic situation doesn't really exist where I am, which is which is good. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's all good out here. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, but that's it. Must be nice to just have the world. Just kind of spinning right and yeah i mean it, it's good it's good and bad obviously i i want i'm trying to i want to get back to the uk i want to get to australia i want to get to america i want to go visit clients and and do what i need to do with them but obviously those travel plans have been put on hold and i'm just sort of out here hovering and, until i can start moving around again yeah no i can imagine i can imagine and we're, we're, the whole world is a little bit like that isn't it but how, yeah. how long ago did you go there I've been in Thailand now for about 14 months. I moved here. Wow. Um, initially, I came here for, I was going to do four months out here um, and then go back to the UK, but just plans changed and then lockdowns happened and all that sort of stuff. And I just sort of said, why, you know, why go back to the UK when I can just stay out here and, and do what I need to do and, and work on myself and work on the brand and, you know, just keep working hard and, and having some fun while I'm doing it. So, Absolutely. you know, why would I go back to the UK now when it's in a complete lockdown and, you know, stuff like that? So, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is one of the benefits of, you know, working as a coach and doing it full time and doing this as, as your career is that what you can literally yeah. work from anywhere in the world and you, you can provide value wherever you are. Corner. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You can. And you've just got to take that leap for those people that are trying to get into it. Um, you know, I quit my job, I think it was 20, about four years ago, I quit my full-time job to sort of, cause I, I was sort of where you're at, where you're working full-time, you're coaching as well. You got all this and that, and, and it's fun. Um, but the minute I took the plunge is the minute it exploded and got to really where it needs to be because I put in the back work and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Um, so for me, it's just like, I just took the plunge and I never looked back, man. And here we are, you know, four years later since then. And, you know, my business is better than ever and Absolutely. providing value and, and changing people's lives in the best way I can. It's insane. Yeah. Just seeing you over the time, just how you skyrocketed and more and more the brand grows and you know, more and more competitors and every single federation. I see you have clients in there. And but what did you do before um, switching, making this transition? 
Sure. So I've always been within fitness, obviously personal training and stuff like that is, is mostly where it starts out, but I was also juggling in construction as well. So before I sort of quit my job, I was a construction site manager, which was money was good, but it wasn't passion. And I got into construction at an early age because it was like money, you know, good money. Like, let's do this. It's good money. But I, I never enjoyed it. And I was always coaching people and helping people on the side. And that was my passion. And that was the mistake I made early on is I should have stuck with my passion, even if it didn't pay, because eventually you'll figure out how to monetize it. Um, so, you know, obviously I took the plunge, like I said, four years ago and said, I never looked back. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, this is, this is one of the hardest periods that, well, as you said, I'm going through that right now, which is literally, you've got eight, nine hours of your day taken by something you don't really enjoy doing, but then you've got Mm. the other side, which obviously is your passion. You pour it in. And a lot of the times it doesn't feel like work, does it? Because it's just like not at all. Do it as much I, as possible, and uh, it's like I always say people. that. Yeah, I always say you know, if money didn't exist, I would do this for free. I would wake up at six a.m. when people need to check in and make sure I'm there for them. I do that for free. Um, but obviously, we've got to pay bills, we've got to live life, and all that sort of stuff. And absolutely, you know, like I said, but money, if money didn't exist, this would absolutely be a freebie that I would absolutely. do it for. But I guess like. Most most of the people when they start coaching, they actually start coaching a few of their friends for free. And I, mean, I, I I know I have a few a few friends that I've helped literally without any cost involved. Just me trying to get experience, get a few transformations through the door. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, that's part of it. And then I wouldn't do that if I wouldn't enjoy it. Right? So same for you. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're a competitor yourself as well, right? So were you competing uh, when you were working as well full time, or did you start doing that? Yes. So yes, that's a little bit of your background in that. So competing, how did you start? Sure. It? When did you decide sure. to do your first show? And Awesome, mate. Awesome. So look, 2013, when the men's physique division came out, I was like, here it is. This is this is me. This is I can finally be a quote unquote bodybuilder. That was my thought process back then. So 2013, what's that? Eight years ago now. That's and right. Because I genetically, I could never be a bodybuilder. I could never be, no matter what I did, I could never grow to that substantial level. No chance. Like, absolutely no chance. I've always been sort of so bang on with everything for so, so long. But I just genetically, I have the genetics of a lamppost. Um, and then when Men's Physique came out, I thought, look, this is, this is me. This is a bit of me. I could absolutely do this. You don't need to be overly, you know, huge and all that sort of stuff um you know at that time and so i entered in it you know i entered the the only show i could find which was uk bff yeah. uh, london southeast championships i believe it was a week before body power that year um there was about 30 competitors some still competing today some have gone on and won their pro card and all sorts of stuff and out of a lineup of 30 i came dead last um but i enjoyed the experience i couldn't pose i didn't look good all this sort of stuff <laughs> Um, but I really enjoyed the experience. Um, and I just about had no idea what I was doing, but, um, I met some cool people along the way. And so I went away and I thought, do you know what? I really enjoyed that. And, you know, I love training and I love the gym and I enjoyed the competitive side of it, even though, you know, a lot of people can get a bit disheartened coming dead last. And so I sort of put my head down. I I hired some mentors, um, worked hard, you know, focused on learning and all this sort of stuff and just enjoying it. And three years later, I entered the exact same show 
um, and came back and won it. So that was a testament to how much sort of I've put in and focused on that. And I always say, you know, no matter if you finish dead last or first in your first show, if you enjoy it, keep doing it and watch how much better you'll be. And obviously, I remember my first show where I came dead last. I had a few of the athletes. They were laughing at me, you know. What, look at this guy. What's he doing? He doesn't belong here. But then three years later, I came back and made sort of my mark. And, you know, those same people were congratulating me. Not that I really care about that. I've always just focused on me, not on anyone else. So um, they're welcome to, you know, think what they want and stuff. But, um, yeah, I came back and won it, which was great. As an athlete, I don't think I'm the best athlete competitor there is. I'm certainly not. I certainly put more of my pride and emphasis into the people I help. Um, like I said, genetically, I'm far from the best. And I've sort of pride myself on maximizing genetic potential within myself and others. Um, when I sort of jump on with some people that have great genetics, it's amazing what we can do. But I pride myself on taking people from the ground up um, and, and, yeah, going from there. But all in all, I've done about 10 shows you know, I've won a couple, I've placed in a couple, and I've de- certainly lost more than I've won and I've placed. But in those losing in those placings, I learned a hell of a lot more than the person that just went through and wiped the floor with everyone. I've always been very observant um, and sort of applying knowledge that I've learned on myself and then trying it with others and then growing and learning from there. So I've been doing it sort of, you know, like I said, coming up eight years now. Um, and yeah, my last show was March 2019, uh, where I won my intermediates category and placed in the opens category. Um, the guys that beat me are now all IFBB pros. So it's like, shit, when's the next step? You know, yeah. can I get there? Who knows? Is it my obsession? No, I just try and be, turn up and be the best I can be. When you sort of put too much pressure on yourself to try and be the best and I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that, it's just too much pressure, too much stress, too much anxiety. And then on the day, a lot of people that act like that, they flunk and they don't end up being what they be. If you just focus on your race at your pace, you know, forget the rest, you know, comparisons, the thief of joy, focus on what you need to do, forget the rest. I know I can say that, but I'm a testament of it. Um, Focus on your journey and watch how much better you'll be without the, you know, less stress, especially in a stress state when you're very, very lean, your body can change within an instant. So there's a little bit of my story, mate. Um, Hopefully that sort of, uh, covers up anything that was there and obviously let me know if you want me to reiterate on anything absolutely no, th- thank you for that as well and that just goes to show that you know you're not just someone who um is there in the industry that's watching and you know outsiders because obviously we've got uh, a lot of coaches to do that as well uh, but that you've been there you've done it yourself you know you've walked the walk and you know this is what they say you practice what you preach and as you said as well like for you uh, i think i respect I respect even more knowing what, knowing what you told me now. I respect even more for the fact that you've said, and you, you know, you admitted that I'm not the most genetically gifted, but then you also having athletes that are and athletes for all, from all walks, you, you know, you managed to get, I've, I've seen some of your transformations. And for those that don't know, like, obviously we'll leave some of the links uh, to go and follow you, but like, some of the guys are just incredible. Like, it's just like, wow. Yeah. How did they get to, you know, to look like that? And, that's yeah. And, and the thing is, mate, it's not me. It's them. You know, I'm their assistants. I always say the athlete comes first. The coach is just the assistants. There's too much ego in the coaching industry. You know, I, I always put the athlete first and I'm on their case a lot of the time. And if I don't think they're working hard enough, I'll tell them. And I'll obviously manipulate things along the way and work very, very hands on with them. Um, and, and that's sort of where they get to A to B. They give me 100 percent. I give them 200 percent back. I don't want to work with anyone. I don't care how much money you pay me. I won't accept your money if you're not willing to do 
exactly as I say, you work with me. I adjust things from your feedback as well. Um, But like I say to all my athletes, man, don't fuck around. You want to work with me? Don't fuck around. There's plenty of other people that'll let you, that'll let you mess around. But unfortunately I'm not a fit for you. We're not a fit for each other. If you're just here to, you know, say that I'm your coach and all this sort of stuff. I don't, I don't care for that. It's all about the athlete and getting the athletes results, man. And you want results as well for yourself. Cause I, I see that as well. Like we, with some of the guys that I have and they're competing and the more I see them transforming and getting ready for the show, I have a few guys who are six weeks up. I'm like, wow, it's amazing. And I feel so happy. Like it's my own progress. I feel yeah. like I'm doing the prep with them. And obviously if you see someone <laughs> passing, you think it is. you don't it really is. want, at the same time, you like, you want to get results and you want to deliver results and you want to have a standard as a coach for great results. So at the same time, if clients are not putting in the work, obviously that's, that's their fault, but that, you know, it's not something, it's not the kind of energy that you want around. It's not the kind of vibe that you want around, around other athletes as well. Uh, but also, I, I like something that you said uh, when, when you did the introduction, which really kind of stuck on me. Because you see, I personally came a little bit from the other side where it's genetically gifted in a way that it it messed with my ego a lot. And I'm not afraid yeah. to admit it. Like, I came into the show, first show, it was the other way around. I won the first show. Then I did, like, the first five shows, I placed top three. And I'm like, wow, I'm on top of the board. Like, I'm, I'm the king. Like, wow, look at me. And I, let's go get the pro card. And I was like, wow, so hyped up. And I've done the show. And uh, didn't even, like, I think I was somewhere around, like, third call-out, last in the third call-out. So, like, like, 15 or something like that. I don't remember exactly. But I was like, whoa, like, what's going on? So that was, like, such a hit. But that, yeah. that alone, and that where I'm, like, now looking back, I'm grateful that that's happened. And it's weird how, like, before I was seeing things differently but like experiencing that and losing that has made me much more of an athlete than I was winning because I realized like whoa hold on like I've got a lot more to work on like I shouldn't underestimate anyone and I've done the mistake that you were saying constantly comparing myself like I know going up to a show I was obsessed with this one guy just constantly looking at his profile and like taking pictures of him and just like comparing his side to side pictures and it was so insane and honestly, going into the show, he beat me. And he's like, wow, my fears became true. And I was so depressed. I was so disappointed uh, without realizing that, whoa, well, hold on. I was I, I was 23 years old at uh, that show. So basically still a junior. And I had my shot at the pro card. Yes, I came like third color. But who cares? You know, I was there. I was with these guys. They're like 35-year-old or something like that. So yeah, I yeah that's really, it. And that's the root of all disappointments in life and sadness. It's like me comparing myself, well, he's in Thailand right now and he's doing this full time. He's a nice coach. Like yeah. I'm not there. You shouldn't, isn't it? So that's where, that's where a lot of the disappointments and the sadness is coming in life. Whereas we're constantly comparing what we have with what others have and what they do. And I think it's bad. Right. As you said, so that's really, it's really. Mate. Good. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I want to touch on a couple of points there. So mate, if I compared myself to what everyone else was doing in the industry, I'd be off the balcony, mate. Fuck them. I run my own race at my own pace. You know, I'd say to my guys, we lead, we don't follow. It's as simple as that. The amount of times, and, and I think somewhat people will take a lot from this, the amount of times that when I competed earlier on, I sort of had that little bit of an ego thing. Even though I wasn't winning, I still had it. And I'd be comparing myself, like you said, to others on Instagram. But it was a bit different for me because I'd go, then go into the show thinking, oh my God, I'm stepping up against this guy. He looks unbelievable on Instagram. And then I'll see him and I'm like, mate, you look nothing like your pictures. (laughs) I'm I'm actually going to kill. I'm going to beat you like hands down. 
Um, and that's when I'd look around backstage. I don't look around backstage anymore. I always say to all my athletes, don't look around backstage. Just put your music on, focus on your own shit. Let everybody look at you. Lead, don't follow. Um, so, yeah, it's... I always say to my guys, unfollow anyone that you know you're standing up against on stage. I don't care if it's your brother, sister, cousin, uncle, mum, dog, whatever it is. Unfollow that person for the time being throughout your contest prep because you're only going to screw your own head up and it's going to throw you off track. It's not going to make you work harder. It's going to screw you up. Absolutely. Um, ego is your enemy. Like you said before, mate, your ego is your biggest enemy. And sometimes you've got to learn it the hard way. I believe I saw you at that show. I believe it was the Amateur Olympia 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah me if I'm wrong. I was there at the show. Um, one of my guys, I think he got, I think he came fifth. But um, that was, that was, yeah, I mean, it happens on the day, man. And like you said, you know, you're 20, you were 23 then standing up against 35-year-olds. You know, these guys have been doing it for a long time and eventually you're going to get there. It's just that step-by-step process and, just being the best you can each and every time and, and exactly. just improving each and every time. And if, if you, because I see a lot of guys year in, year out, they don't improve. They come back and they bring the same package year after year after year. It's like, bro, what's the point? Go away and, what's and going on? Yeah. have a progression season, you know, but if you just keep continuously improving year by year, eventually you'll be at the top when everyone else is asleep at the wheel. That's it. That's it. And that's exactly what I've realized that after this show, I thought, I really like pondered about what, what we do and like, what's this competing thing all about? Like, well, what's really going on here as an athlete? <laughs> and then I realized like, hold on, like it's never like about winning the medal. It's never about like winning the trophy or, or just like constantly focusing on that alone. And your own, your sole focus should be on what you have to do day in, day out, kicking the daily boxes. Like you're literally winning every single day, day by day, step by step. And like every yeah, you live in the process, man. Training. Yeah, because like as you said, the goal should always be I should be better than I was last week, I should be better than I was last month. And then when you step on stage, what they compare is not you against each other, is your best self against against someone else's best version of themselves. So if you keep yeah. improving one day, your best self will also be the best on stage. But the focus should yeah, always be uh, on the first, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. So yeah, absolutely. So, um, like you do have uh, quite a few competitors spread around um, a wide variety of federations. Um, yeah. Now, my main focus with this podcast really is to give an insight to like the people that have never done it before. Like I noticed the patterns of a lot of my clients as well are uh, guys that literally have never stepped on stage and going to have cool. around six first-time competitors uh, in the next few months. And this is a question that a lot of wondering, like what federation would you suggest? I know that you have athletes doing two bros. I know you have athletes doing mm-hmm. PCA. I know you have athletes doing NFM UK. How do you choose the federations with them? And what's like, what's going through your mind as a coach thinking, okay, I think you should be doing that show or you should be doing that show or do they, do they yeah. choose the shows and you kind of help them assist or do you suggest them? I think you should do that. Yeah, sure, mate. So, well, first of all, for a first-timer, I think there's so many first-timer shows out there with the PCA. I believe two bros are doing uh, first-timers and and I think a few other federations are doing those categories as well. So as a first-timer, enter a first-timer show. You're only a first-timer once. You stand up against first-timers, et cetera, et cetera. The week after, you can do another show. No problem. Um, A lot of the time, that you know, I've got two ways to answer this. A lot of the time I'll have athlete come to me, right, Nick? This show, six months' time, 
I don't know, 20 weeks time, whatever it is, I want to do this show. Awesome. I'll never say no to an athlete doing a show unless I think they're too good for the show, if that makes sense. I want my athlete to do exactly what I did. They can go on into like easier shows where they can do quite well, no problem. But I also want them to enter a show that they're standing up against the best possible athlete they can find because in the long run, that will make them better. Um, I certainly throw suggestions to my athletes about which shows they could possibly do. Um, but at the end of the day, it's up to them to choose it and them to decide when they're ready. If they want my input, I'll give them that as well. Um, but again, I'll never say no to an athlete entering a show. Um, I say when you get in shape, sort of over that month, let's say, I don't know, you're going to compete in July. You've got one main show you're focusing on. Perhaps do the show the week before and the show the week after, just so you can have a bit of a play and get a little bit more experience rather than just, you know, hitting Absolutely. that one show. Make that one show your main focus, but perhaps do a warm-up show and a show after that just to see what your body can do and sort of learn a bit more about yourself. I'd say that's the best piece of advice I could give. Don't just do one show, do a couple around the same time, but make sure there's that one main show that you really want to go for too. Absolutely. But what if like some of your guys just, what if they're not ready? Like what if they're being unrealistic thinking like, oh, I want to do this show. Would you still kind of let them do it? Or would you be like, obviously then telling you like, look, you're not going to be ready. Um, or like what, what's going on? Yeah, look, it depends yeah. on the individual. A lot of my guys that I work with, I've been working with for, you know, one to three years. Um, obviously, I've got a, a few guys that come on board and they're like, I want to do this show in 10 weeks. If I see their pictures and see what they're currently doing, it's pretty easy to tell me that they're not ready. Um, but it'll take a lot because I've seen some phenomenal, you know, short rushed prep transformations. You know, I had a guy, a junior come to me last year. He's seven weeks out and he was miles behind miles 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 he said to me i'm adamant about doing this show i really want to do this show on it, i yeah. said mate i said mate be ready to work all right i said i can hear the passion in your voice you know you're dead set on it and that's what sold me onto doing it with him um and i batted him i literally batted him for seven weeks and that you know isn't really the best way to do it but it's the only way sometimes when it when an athlete's miles behind and he ended up winning his junior show and it was a pca junior show the standard was good you know it wasn't just a just an all right show. So, you know, it goes to show like it's hard for me to say no, but a lot of the time I have to be realistic. Um, there's guys that I work with that have been working with me for three years and they come to me at six weeks out and they say, I want to do this show and I know I can get them ready in six weeks. Is it going to be hard? Yes. This is not what I advocate. I advocate doing it over a long period of time. But if I know we can turn side out very, very quickly and that's not trying to sell anyone the dream or give anyone false hopes. Give yourself plenty of time. You know, if you're a newbie, give yourself six months to prep into your show. You know, there's there's no harm in doing that. Just learn about what you need to do. Um, but everyone's so, so different. It's very, very hard for me to give a direct answer. Um, but it's also difficult for me to say no to an athlete. I'd say over the athletes I worked with over the last two years, I've probably said no to only two shows of them. And, you know, these guys haven't been, you know, embarrassed. They've placed in shows. They've done very, very well. And again, it's a testament to them and the work rate they put in and obviously the assistance that I give them. And, you know, we work well together as a team in, in making that happen. No, I, lo I love this mentality as well, because it, it, as you said, and we've just touched upon before, um, like both me and you needed to kind of, especially like, as I said, in my experience, I needed that loss to kind of make me a better athlete. So 
actually, if you're just preaching, winning, 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 winning constantly, when I get that loss, they're like, they're going to like, well, what's going on? Like, why? Right. So I think everyone <laughs> needs to kind of experience both ends of the spectrum uh, in a way. Yeah, to make it's a part of the game, man. It's, it's a part of the game. Yeah, exactly, man. You know, I've had athletes that have won, like you said, I've had athletes that have won their first five shows and placed in their first five shows. And show number six, they come up in a, in a fantastic lineup and they're nowhere to be seen. And it's like you said, they're just, they don't know what they're lost. They don't know what to do. And I'm just like, hey, welcome to the game, brother. You know, this, yeah, this yeah. is a game and that's the way you got to see it. And, you know, these things are going to happen and it's what you do now that shows the true champion. Are you just going to, you know, fuck off, disappear and then, you know, be miserable about it or you're going to do something about it you know you're going to stand up fight do something about it get better and then next time you get back there you know you're on stage and you've got that first place trophy back you've just got to be hungry for it Absolutely. and don't do it for instagram man don't do it for instagram likes and all that shit like it, it doesn't mean anything right um do it because you really enjoy it do it because you love to train you love to push yourself and you want to see how far you can take it if you're doing it for Instagram, you're going to fail. It's as simple as that. I've seen it all before. The Instagram guys, oh, let's try and boost my following and this and that and uh, make myself feel good. They get nowhere fast and they, they, they end up not doing very well at all. Absolutely. Because it's like you're going to have the periods where, for example, someone like you said as well, like you're working full time, let's say, and then you're also prepping. And I've done quite a few preps now where – after a long day of work, you're just shattered. There's not, there's nothing <laughs> left in there. You're like, shit, yeah. I got to go and train legs right now. I got to go and train this heavy back day. How are you going to drag yourself if you're doing it for the likes? But it's not definitely not going to fire you up. 100%. Fire yeah. you up to go ahead and do it. I'll, and- I'll, put a, I'll put a bit into perspective for people. And this is what I was doing um, for a year straight, you know, a few years straight. But I, there was a specific one year where I just competed all the time and, I was doing, you know, I'd wake up at 4.30 in the morning um, because I'd start work at 7. You know, I'd sort of catch the train in, you know, sort of catch the train in, catch the buses in to, to central London, freezing, like, you know, minus temperatures. Uh, I'd go to the gym. I'd do, I'd do 45 minutes to an hour's cardio. A lot of it was hit and lifts. And then I'd go to work and then I'd stay at work on a cold construction site all day long for 12 hours. And then that would come. And then I'd have to go back to the gym train for an hour and a half and then do an extra half an hour's cardio, come home at 10 o'clock at night, prep all my meals, go to bed, do it all again. I literally did that as a robot for a year straight. Was I tired? Absolutely. But did I have a vision and a passion and a dream? Absolutely. And that's what kept me driving. And you constantly get the people. And I was surrounded by some awful people at the same time. Because obviously you've got, you know, the people on the construction site. You know what people on the construction site oh, yeah. are. Yeah, just blah, blah, blah. He's a dickhead, you know, oh, this and that. You get all these negative people and they don't want anything to do with it. You know, housemates and things I was living with didn't want anything to do with me because, you know, well, what's he doing? He's not going out drinking and taking drugs. You know, FYI, I've never done that in my life. I've never taken drugs in my life. Um, so it's like, you know, you've just got to do it out of your own passion and, and who cares what, you know, Bob on the construction site thinks and your, your flatmate thinks about you, you know, because what are they doing now? The same shit, whereas yeah. you're actually progressing at, at what you're wanting to do. Um, so focus on what you need to do, man. I know I can, I can say this over and over again, but you've got to do it out of passion. None of that was for Instagram. None of that's ever seen on Instagram. It's not I tried to do it to 
oh, I need to live the grind and live this and I'm grinding okay. hard. I did it because I fucking love it. And it's as simple as that. And if you don't love it, you're going to fail, man. you just got to do it out of passion and a vision and a dream. And for a lot of us as well, like, if you're, in, if you're stuck in a, in a job that you don't really like, you're not passionate about, this is probably the best thing you'll do that day. Even that morning cardio, you know, it's, it's something that yeah. you know you're working for yourself, for that vision, not for someone else's vision, not for your boss, but it's for yeah. your personal journey, for your personal achievement and success. And I think that's what drives it. And if you do it for that reason, that you simply want to be better, you want to win at life, you, know, you want to do something that's like outside of your like skill set. Like there's not a lot of us uh, have like incredible skills. Like a lot of us are just like normal people, you know, normal jobs. But yet again, when it comes to the gym, it the passion grows so much that you just feel like you want to take it to the next level. And for a lot of guys, next level is to step on stage and display that. Yeah, you know, for sure. Improve with sure. working harder and. You know, that's the highlight of the day. And as you said, I think that's what makes you grind it out. Because who the hell wakes up at 4.30 to do plastic cardio for an hour and go in the cold yeah. and work? Like no one's motivated to do that. Crazy, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. No one's motivated to do that. You know, it's mm. just about you've got to hold yourself to that standard. There was times where I was like, I'd wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, man, it's freezing. Uh, like, I'm shivering <laughs> in bed like this. It was like minus four and all sorts of shit. And I'm freezing. And. I'm not motivated, man. I'm driven is a difference. Motivation, some days, yes, some days, no. No matter who you are, motivation yeah. is for rookies. You know, it's about holding yourself to that stand. And it was every day that I did that, you know. Um, and I'd do it again. I'd do it 10 times over. Bring it on, you know. Um, I, I love to push that. And I love to push people to, to get past what they need to. I had a guy last season, Damien. 2.30 in the morning, he had to wake up every day to do his cardio. Who else is going to wake up at 2.30 in the morning when they have to go for a 12-hour shift after? Uh, that's amazing. You know, who, who's going to do that? And he looked unbelievable. Uh, he's an absolute weapon, and it shows. Do what others won't to be what others can't, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And as I say as well, I think another great part of it, you know, like being a coach and working with these people is, some of my guys, they fire me up like crazy. Like, as you said as well, I've got one person, David, and he's, this guy is doing nice shifts uh, constantly. You know, he's so prepared, never misses a meal, long, long shift, yeah. and then finishes sometimes at like 9 a.m. after a long night and goes straight in the, goes straight to a workout. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> like, he's, I know. But he wants it. Man. And then you look at it them. Remi- it like, reminds me, well, yeah. It reminds me of one of my guys, Paul, a couple of years ago. He's, he's still working with me now. I hope he hears this. He probably will. And uh, he emails me. He says, hey, Nick, sorry, man. I'm, I'm a day late on my check-in. Is it okay if I check in tomorrow? Um, my wife's been in labor for the past few days and I've just had a baby. I had no idea about it. He never told me. Well, and he goes, P.S., but don't worry. I haven't missed any cardio, any supplement, any meal or any training. It's all been done. And I just well, thought, mate. That is fantastic. That shows how much he loves it, you know. But, I mean, like I said, I had no idea about that. And he doesn't want to brag about it. But it's just, it's amazing what you can do when you really put your mind to it, you know. I could tell so many stories that I've seen about that. And like you said, you get fired up from it. Because I live vicariously through my athletes in their preparations. Um, And it gets me fired up. I'm more nervous when I'm watching an athlete on stage, even though I've got a pretty good poker face, <laughs> I'm more nervous watching an athlete on stage than getting myself on stage. I'm like, when they're walking out, when they're getting ready to walk out, I'm like, 
man, I hope this guy's dry as a bone. I know I've just seen him 15 minutes ago, but I hope he's dry as a bone and all this sort of stuff. And they walk out and, you know, they are. And then it's like, ah, yes. Da, 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 da. Awesome, yeah. and like I said, you can, see, you can see anyone on their own and they look fantastic, but in a lineup, people can look completely different. But that's different because you have something to compare yeah, during that. Absolutely. But I mean, it's like your majority of athletes are actually uh, men and it's like men's physique. You've got the classic yeah. and uh, you've got uh, fitness models as well. Um, so kind of what drove you to choose that? And because uh, I know like a lot of other coaches, yeah. there's a lot of like bikini categories or others. So like I personally don't. I, I just as well like you are like working with men's in general, uh, men's physique and uh, I have a few bodybuilding junior um, and classic. Well, this scope, but uh, yeah, absolutely no, no female so far for me. And I don't think I'll, I'll even focus on it. It's just that I understand the, I understand the physique and the criteria and what they're looking for. And as a coach, I think I don't know. Maybe that's 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 what helps you. Or what what's your principle behind it? Why is it that you work with these categories? Sure, mate. Great question. Look, obviously the majority of the people I work with are of the physique and fitness model categories. I work with a couple of people who aren't. I worked with one bodybuilder last year. I worked with uh, and two females. That's because when I spoke to them, they were a really good. We were a really good fit for each other. And I wouldn't let them go work with anyone else. I told them, me and you are working together. End of story. I know we're going to do very, very well. Um, but the majority of people I work with are of physique and fitness model categories. Why? I believe, right? And I believe I was a big change in this. I helped develop the difference between open class bodybuilding and other categories and men's physique. Men's physique is a completely different ball game. Fitness model is a completely different ball game. If you are someone who is not a genetic freak, which is 99% of the population, and you're trying to be an open class bodybuilder stepping on a men's physique stage, you're not going to look the part, okay? You're going to look blocky and you're not going to get to where you need to be. I guarantee that you'll run in very, very flat. And, and this is what I see. Men's physique is a fullness game. And this is what people don't focus on enough. I go to shows and I'd say out of, and let's say there's 10 people on stage, eight to nine of them are flat as a pancake. They're just, they're peeled, right? but they're just not full. They don't have that fullness to the muscle. Men's physique is a fullness game. When you get that one person that stands out that has that fullness, they look so much different to everyone else. And they're usually the person that comes away with it. Yes, you got to be peeled and the other things, but fullness makes a huge difference. Whereas when it comes to bodybuilding, it's better to run in just a majority bit flat because you want to get your glutes in, your legs looking striated to fuck. A lot of the time when men's physique guys try to do that, they lose the fullness in their upper body and they end up becoming stringy and it doesn't look good on stage at all. So I saw a gap in the market. I said, I know how to hit this gap on the head. I said, everyone's trying, all these men's physique guys, they're trying to be bodybuilders and I'm going to be the guy that comes in and changes that. And I, I, I've still, I'm adamant that I was the first one to say that I'm a physique coach and I work with men's physique athletes and we do things differently than an open class bodybuilder would. Brilliant. And I still say to this day that that's the reason why we do so well within the physique categories, because they are completely different ball games to open class bodybuilding. And when, if, and I've had a lot of people come to me and I've sort of changed up a bit about what they're doing, whether that's their routine or things like that. 
and we've changed it up to sort of the way I see it better for them. And they're like, I've never done anything this like, like this before. We go for it and they look 10 times better. And again, that's not to brag. The athletes put in the work. But like I said, once you stop trying to be Cedric McMillan and William Bonac and, you know, <laughs> Big Rami, once you stop trying to be those guys and you start trying to be a physique athlete, you'll look so much better for it and your placings will go through the roof. So that's why I decided to jump into that um, specific niche because I walked that. I walked the walk for that for many years and I decided that I need to change the game here. I also believe on an amateur level in the UK, I was a little bit of a help to evolve men's physique because I was always giving feedback to the federations. When it was 2015, I believe it was, I came into a show really, really hard, dry, peeled, shredded. I was the only one on stage like that. And the feedback from the judges were like, you can't come in like that. That's, that's a, you know, you can't come in like that. And I thought, you know what? There's no way I'm not coming into a body, like a men's physique show, not peeled out of my brain. It just, mm. it doesn't, you know, like you need to come in a bit softer and things like that. And I'm just like, no. And I would always rock up to shows with my athletes peeled out of the bone or myself peeled out of the bone. And eventually it caught on because it used to be a softer look, you know, back in 2013, 2014, 2015. And then sort of 2016 came along. And that's when I started winning shows and I was coming in peeled and drier and harder than the others where the you other guys were still running in that little bit softer. Yeah. And that's where we sort of changed the game a bit. And I started having, you know, messages from judges going, man, you guys are looking so much different than everyone else. It's really good. Like we're noticing what you're doing. Because these guys are running in dry, hard and full with aesthetics and it's looking really good. And, at an amateur level, I, I believe, and I say this in the most humble way possible, not to sound like a dickhead, but I helped evolve men's physique from a softer look to a harder look. Um, the size thing, I mean, I, I don't think I really helped with that, but that's just evolving naturally. Absolutely. Um, so that's why I got into the market because I saw a massive place in there that needed to be filled. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with, with you. And uh, like looking back at the to bro show which it was like the show i didn't win that that's mainly the reason for it in a way that uh, you were talking about the fullness um i i went crazy thinking okay you know what conditioning is gonna be my main weapon in here i can get conditioned quite well i'm gonna use that as, as the main weapon and past all 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 the fullness like completely i was like half the size i would be normally <laughs> Just because there was yeah. no fullness in there, and I was like, "Whoa!" It was like it hit me in the head. But then, also looking back at like when physique started, it was it kind of changed a lot because they started as this like beach attainable beach look, and now <laughs> now pretty yeah. much like did, did you thing. say did you say bitch or beach a beach? <laughs> so it's just a different. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> man. Sorry. Beach, beach, beach. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So yeah. obviously, um, that just like nowadays, I like looking at men's physique in in a way that it is. I also believe exactly what you've said. I know you you have like three words, but you constantly I see some of the posts even in your bio. You 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 write there conditioning, uh, aesthetics, fullness, and that's that, that's the main attributes that represents yeah. like the, the athletes themselves. And as you say, I see a lot of guys just like 
adding muscle in the wrong places. Like they've got huge arms. They've got like very small delts compared to their arms. The chest is yeah. not big enough or like the back is too big, big traps. And it just, huge traps, yeah. guys, yeah, it just doesn't look aesthetics, uh, doesn't look aesthetic mm. at all for the category. And I think this is where you just nail it on the head, just understanding the category, you, you know, you're coaching so well. And then getting the guys strictly fit for the criteria. And as you said, even having that impact in the criteria yourself in, because you believe so much in how men's physique athletes should do. And look, mm. like you're there because like it is true, the amateur criteria shouldn't be any different than the pro because it's like, it's no. a, it's, a, it's, it's streamlined. It should be the same criteria yeah. all over, but just better guys at it. And if you look at like the pro shows and the Olympians, they're all peeled to the bone. They're coming in super yeah. Right, they're nailing on that fullness. They've got the aesthetics, and even so, like a lot of guys are saying that uh, men's physique are getting too big. They're not because yes, you see a lot of the guys no, they're, uh, they're looking crazy pumped in the gym. But that's if I pump in the gym, I look a lot bigger than what I do when I'm just resting. And these guys, when they come in on stage, you see someone like a Raymond Edmonds or something like one of those caliber, and you put them next to a classic, but they disappear. Like even if you get like a white yeah. T-shirt on them. They don't look as big, you know, but it's the aesthetic, it's that perfection of the physique that makes them look so complete. And, you know, yeah, I learned that. I learned that from um, I've met Andre Ferguson. I've met and spent a lot of time with Jason Poston and Jeremy Potvin. Um, they look huge. Awesome they look huge in photos, right? Mm. They look absolutely massive. You stand next to them and they're not. They're really not that big. They just hold themselves really well. Mm. Up on stage, it's all an illusion. It's all an illusion. They're actually not as big as what people think in real life if you go and meet them. Yeah, there's a few guys that are absolutely massive. I forgot that guy's name. He's a, I think he's Brazilian, Fernando or whatever. He's, he is huge. Fernando Chala. You know, he looks like, yeah, he looks like yeah. a he looks like a bodybuilder, man. <laughs> but I never see him, you know, he might win a quiet show, but that's about it because he, he does look good. But you know, most of these guys, they're not that big. Ryan Terry, another one, he, he's not that big, but it's this illusion that they create with the aesthetics that they have and the light, the beautiful quality, the lines, um, you know, the conditioning, the fullness, the midsection, all of that, that, that creates that illusion of a lot bigger, um, a lot bigger physiques. So, yeah, man, I mean, like I said, everyone's thinking, oh, I just got to get massive now. You don't. Take your time, grow quality. Don't grow crap. You grow crap, you look shit. You take your time, you grow quality. You'll look bigger in the long run. Um, take that from me that's sort of been around the scene for men's physique since it came out and I've sort of been in the middle of it and watched it evolve as you go. And yeah, that's that's just all I can say. I know you, you, don't, you, you shouldn't do this, but trust me when I say this. <laughs> I've been it. I've seen it flat out all the time. You know, the game is an illusion. Um, me, I'm never the most, I'm never the biggest guy on stage, but I've beat guys that are way bigger than me due to the things that I focus on, which is aesthetics, conditioning, quality, abs, and fullness. You focus on those five attributes and watch how much better your physique will be. Watch how much better your placings will be. Focus on anything else or forget to focus on a few of those areas. Watch your placings go down. Now, People with great genetics, I want to put in a disclaimer out there. You are exempt from anything I say. Because <laughs> people say, oh, well, Ronnie Coleman did this and Ronnie Coleman did that. And, yeah, mate, like... Ronnie, Coleman could have been, Ronnie Coleman could have been a vegan and still, you know, <laughs> done all what he, he's done. So <laughs> it's like, it's you know. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, but, um, like, I remember, 
I think or it was last year or maybe even a year before. If one of our competitors stepped on stage, and I think, yeah, they one of my guys, yeah, one of your guys uh, was going to go on stage, and then um, I remember that you sent them to have a cheat meal so close to the show, just that I think you sent someone to have, I think they had like a burger meal or something like that, and you even made a post about it. I read that post, and you just sent someone to have a cheat meal, fill up, and then they went on stage and they looked incredible. And I think you posted like two pictures and just to kind of how to stay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I was like, wow, you know, and then again, to have that courage because like a lot of people will take like a very conservative approach, but you, you then you kind of knew immediately like, whoa, like we want this guy a lot fuller. You weren't afraid to do that. And, uh, you know, like, I, I think that's, that's incredible, you know, just. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not everyone that does that. I like to feed people what they've been eating throughout their prep. So if they've been having burgers and stuff throughout their prep, I know a burger digests well for them. So especially on show day, I monitor my guys, you know, from about 24 to 48 hours out, I monitor guys after every single meal. They'll send me their pictures and their weight after every single meal. Cause when you're very, very lean, your body can adapt very, very quickly. Absolutely. What happens on show day is there's this whole concept because it's a bodybuilding thing that, Oh no, what you want to do is just lower your foods on show day and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, we'll lower your water and we'll use a bit of diuretics and all this sort of stuff. And what happens is you, 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 you disappear. You don't get anywhere. Whereas I feed my guys on show day. My guys are eating so much more on show day a lot of the time, again, depending on who they are and what they're looking like. But the majority of guys, I feed them a lot. And if we're restricting water, that means the water that's in the muscle, they're not gonna feel it's, it's slowly being discreted. Exactly. And so if I've got a guy that's on later in the day and I'm monitoring meal after meal and he seems to be just getting a little bit softer and a little bit, uh, smaller in a sense. I ask him, you know, are you feeling hard? Are you feeling full? Nah, I'm feeling a little bit flat in a way. Then I'm like, right, let's go and eat a Subway footlong and two cookies or <laughs> let's go and eat, you know, because uh, that's what they've been eating through their prep or let's go and fill up on some sushi, you know, four hours out and let's go and fill up on some burgers if that's what they've been eating. It's like, you've got to know what you're looking at. Um, I think an eye for detail makes a huge difference and these one percenters make all the difference in your placing, especially when you want to, sort of be competitive and, and, and win your shows. These these small life of detail things make a huge difference. And I don't want to sell the dream to everyone. I don't have everyone doing that. Some people I'm like, right, you're ready, man. We're not going to do anything. Like just keep eating what we're eating. We're not going to do nothing. And but there's some guys that can fluctuate very quickly and go from full to flat. And you know, when they go full to flat a lot of the time, it says that, you know, their insulin sensitivity is very high. So what we're going to use is some slow acting, you know, fats to help slow down the insulin insulin release and um like i said this i don't have any set methods i just have to work on what we're doing and, and with the feedback from the athletes like i have a lot of people they say like what's your method with this and what's your method with that i'm like i don't know I man because like, everyone just, reacts so differently we figure we figure it out like obviously i've got certain things that i like to implement but if the athlete's like yeah that doesn't work for me i've tried that in the past we're not going to do it you know so Absolutely. And uh, I think I, I really like the fact that, you know, you as well uh, go against this idea because like I, I also noticed it firstly within my own physique, um, like what water depletion does to you flattens you out crazy mm. lot because that's, mm. that's what it is. Like every, every gram of uh, glycogen pulls water with it as well in the muscle. So how can you then load up if you're cutting down on water? 
But then like, I remember I had uh, one of the guys that done PCA in years 2019. Um, it was actually the same day as, as I had the Amateur Olympia show. And like, I told him to just drink as much water as he wants constantly because my mentality was, this guy is looking amazing one week out. Why change yeah. things? Like, like, why do just, something? Just, just, yeah. yeah. yeah like, if, he, if he looks incredible, just, just cruise him in. Go through it, yeah. And I had a friend as well competing, and he, he was actually a training partner. He competed at that same show with him, and he said, like, he's like, your guy was just drinking water constantly, and I was so dehydrated. <laughs> Everyone was looking at him like, what's going on with this guy? He's just like two <laughs> liters, just stacking. And he looked incredible, and he placed third. It was a great show. And from that moment on, I knew it. I'm like, well, and then judging my physique as well, when I implemented the water drop, I'm like, nah, there's no need for diuretics. We're not bodybuilders. Uh, like, nah, it's completely wrong uh, to do that. So I like to see that, you know, you're also someone who preaches this and just reiterates the fact uh, because a lot of guys are like, pick with meats, pick with protocols, I cut water, you have to deload, cut, cut water. And I just like, yeah. I, I like the fact, like, do, do you have cases where, like, you would do, you would do this with a men's physique competitor? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I do water deplete people, but just not very hard. And then we just monitor it as we go. You know, I like to really load up on glycogen, like, really load up on it a lot more than others. Like, and, but I, I also cut a little bit of water. Diuretics, sometimes I'll use a bit of, perhaps a bit of diazide. I'll never use anything, like, Aldactone or Lasix, these are just dangerous. They flush potassium, whereas diazide just takes out a little bit of sodium, especially if I've got guys that are continuing their sodium right through, which I pretty much do with most people. Um, I can certainly have people use a couple of uh, some, some diuretics, but most people, you know, not. Um, but quite a few of my guys, some guys do, you know, we want to be that 1% better and I just have to monitor meal after meal. And, you know, that's the best way. A diazide is, is super, super safe, man. You know, they can flatten you out if you're not filling up properly. But if yeah. you do start flattening out, fill up, have a drink of water, go again. And then they can just give you that little bit of a, a drier look. Yeah, I think so, this is... I mean, I do use it with some people, um, but not on a extreme level. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, I think this is this is where the uh, confusion is as well. Like, there's a lot of guys who would do it, but then they just like, fill up on a few rice cakes and jam here and there. Like, how could you <laughs> fill up, you know? So, that ain't going to fill you up, man. Yeah, no, no, no. yeah. Eat, eat what you've been eating throughout your contest prep. I think that's a big mistake people make. They'll go weeks and weeks and weeks of eating the same food here and there. And then the day before the show, they'll go and eat a burger or they've never eaten a burger throughout their whole contest prep. And they bloat out and their body goes into shock and they start put a film of water over themselves. It's like, man, stick to what you've been eating. Stick to the food sources you've been eating and, and you, you won't have a problem when it comes to digestion and looking your very, very best. Absolutely. Because yeah, if you feel like if you start introducing something else that hasn't been there for the past 20 weeks, don't know how mm. your body responds to that. And then you're getting a look <laughs> which you don't like and then you don't know how to analyze that. So definitely. Like I also say this as well. If I'm giving a cheat meal or repeat one of the clients, I tell them to get uh, mostly like uh, mcdonald's but also really monitor what we're getting so like if you're getting mcdonald's then have like a cheeseburger have a big mac and then obviously they all actually have the calories in there but we're looking specifically what creates that look because like every single food reacts so different to your body and as, as you said as well um i personally am the kind of person just fluctuates up and down constantly so quick between flats and and full and I have to be so careful with what I, yeah. how I do it, how often, 
um, because yeah, the body can just change completely different. The way I look, yeah, morning is very different than the way I look after three meals. Very different than I look to more, and it's kind of very hard to find that right balance. And I think that's what like experience will bring it uh, for you as a coach, but also for someone else as an athlete as well. Um, now, are you gonna have some guys competing this year, or? Yeah, I mean, I've told this is this is the way it's going to be, and this is the way that you know my guys we've all agreed on this, and hopefully someone else can take something from this. We are prepping like the shows are going ahead. I have guys in Australia, America, China, Thailand, and the United Kingdom. Okay, we are prepping like these shows are going ahead, and we are not stopping while everyone else is umming and ahhing and not pushing as hard because they're not sure if their show is going on or they decide to miss a meal and all that sort of stuff. We are going to work harder than ever because no one else, well, everyone else is asleep at the wheel. So we're going to get an even further level ahead of the rest. Because when these shoot shows do go ahead and, and they will go ahead, if they get postponed, so what? We just adapt, we keep moving the goalpost and we don't stop until we get there. Um, that's the mindset because there was too much yo-yoing last year. Oh, 10 weeks out from a show, I'm looking wicked. Our oh, show's cancelled, shit. Our oh, show's this one. Our oh, shit, this and that. No, we're not doing it. All right, we're doing these shows like they're going ahead and there's no other option. Um, my guys are working harder than ever. So I hope everyone else's guys are working harder than ever because we're going to be a fucking force <laughs> this year, man. And I, and I say that in the most confident, humble manner I can. Um, we are working harder than ever because while everyone else is asleep at the wheel, we're going to be a mile ahead. That's the way, that's the mindset. And that's how we're, we're, we're putting it. advantage. That's exactly, exactly how I thought about it as well. And as well, in, in my own prep this year, I plan to go on stage around July. I'm thinking a lot of the guys are now losing traction and they're losing motivation. Yeah. You just have to be there on top of your game, you know, because as yeah. you said as well, even if the show can be cancelled, you know, two weeks out or maybe one week out, but you're ready. Do a photo shoot. Yeah. Yeah. But you're ready. The thing is, if you're taking the mentality that, ah, uh, I don't know if it's going to go on or da, 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 da. And then suddenly, boom, show is running, but you're not ready anymore. Like, what do you exactly. do? Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So, so what's yeah. what's next, man, for you? Like, what, what's what's going on? Because obviously we're, like, you've done it for a long time now. or like growing and, you know, it's it's insane to just be able to talk to someone like you now. And I, and I must say, like, I'm feeling super humbled and thank you that you came in because, like I'm personally learning a lot from you as well as a coach. And I'm sure the guys listening are going to take a ton of value from this episode. And it's just incredible, you know, um, to talk to someone with a lot of experience that you have. So what's, what's coming next? Like what's on the pipeline right now for you and with the physique Academy and where are you going in the next few years? Awesome, man. Love the question. Um, I've got a few guys that I've discussed with that we're going all the way to that, to the IFBB pro league. Yeah. And we're going to go as far as we can possibly go, man. And I'm, I've got no doubt that these guys that I've discussed this with are going to make that happen. Because like I said, there's no stone unturned with these guys. And I trust them and they trust me. Um, I'm prepping for a show in May. Is it going to go ahead? I don't know and I don't care. I'm going to be going in like it is going ahead. If it gets scrapped, I'm going to peek and do a couple of photo shoots. Because last year I got up to 10 weeks out, you know, looking good. Aesthetics were very good. I was really happy with where I was at. And then my show got cancelled and I was like, oh, let's go into progression season. Looking back, I should have kept going and just peaked for that 10-week date and, and done some photo shoots. I so I'm not going to let that happen this yeah. year. 
I want to get to the UK for my client shows this year. I was supposed to come in May for a month last year and October for a month. Um, and I wanted to do that this year, but I'm not sure that's going to go ahead. Um, I was supposed to go to America uh, in between them and then two trips to Australia for some client shows and to meet some of my clients. Um, so again, it's all dependent on travel. I won't do quarantine for it. I'm going to sit tight where I am. I'm not going to do a two weeks quarantine. So that, that's got to be scrapped. Um, so my thing for me, focus on my thing, focus on my coaching, um, help the people that I can as best as I possibly can. I do quite a few consult calls throughout the week where I actually tell people, look, I don't think we're a fit because perhaps they only sort of kind of want it. I want people that want it, man. Um, like I said, I, I'm here to give you, you know, 200% of myself. I expect hundred percent in return. Uh, for those that are going to come and work with me. So like I said, that's sort of the next sort of steps for us and, and the future plans. Um, you know, me as an athlete peaking for May and then um, coaching wise, taking a few guys all the way to the IFBB Pro League. Um, and then, yeah, so that's sort of where we're at with that, my man. That's amazing. That's amazing. It'll be exciting to, to watch you and I'm sure I'm going to see you a lot of the shows. I hope to get to see you. Um, for sure, but- for sure. Absolutely. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can totally understand why I wouldn't want to. You come in, you quarantine two weeks, and then go back to quarantine another two weeks. That's like literally a month of your life that you're... Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing uh, no quarantine, man. I'll go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. definitely. But um, let's see. Maybe I'll end up in Thailand myself. <laughs> Who knows? If Let me know, brother. <laughs> but honestly, thank you so, so much. Um, like, I think we've covered more than enough. There's like a ton of information cool. there. Uh, probably going to overwhelm people even if they're going <laughs> to well, there's so much value and again super simple that you you join me today um, yeah man thank you for having me brother like really? I really appreciate it I love what you're doing you know let's promote you know the physique and all that sort of stuff and let's keep it growing the best way we can um, federations they all know in the UK that I'm always on their case saying you should do this you should do that because at the end of the day a lot of people want it they want it they want federations to do certain things tell me and I'll tell them. I don't care because yeah. <laughs> people are worried about their placings and all this sort of stuff. I don't care about that, man. I'm always straight up with the federations. They need our feedback as athletes to, to give us what they Absolutely. want to make the shows better and they'll make them more popular. So I'm always sort of, that, you know, that's why the federations, I'm always saying X, Y, and Z and they're always sort of, oh, not this guy again. But, you know, I'll always sort of push them because I want to see um, athletes get treated the way that they should be. And it's, it's getting so much better um, you know, since I started in 2013 to 2021, federations are getting better. They're getting more competitive. They're giving away more to the athletes. They're treating the athletes better. And it's fantastic to see. So thank you for having me on. Keep promoting the sport. Keep promoting what, it, what we're doing, mate. And I, I hope to see you do really, really well as an athlete too, bud. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you again. It's been a pleasure having you, buddy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'm sure I'm sure you would. Um, yeah, go and follow Nick. I'm gonna leave all his details uh, in the links, so you can go ahead and you know follow him on his journey. Uh, we can all learn a little bit more. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure in a previous episode I said you know I hope that you've got at least one little nugget that will help you you know just move the nudge, just one more one step forward in your journey. In this episode, I'm gonna remove the I hope. From the equation i know for a fact <laughs> you've got so much value uh so yeah we can all just thank nick 
joining us today. Buddy, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll keep Thank in you, touch. brother. I'll chat to you soon, bro. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Bye for now. Bye. I'm prolific, so gifted. I'm the type that's gonna go get it. No kidding.